basically there's getting the cash back tax free. Got it. And whether that's legal or not, you know, I've got no opinion. And uh, is that legal? Yeah, like you know, like I'll tell you, Bank of America doesn't issue you a W two. They're not. They're not right. like, hey, Nick, we gave you a hundred thousand dollars in cash back last year. Here it is. You've got to report it to the U.S. government, and you've got to pay taxes on it. They don't do that. This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D 2 C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. Smart operators know that actively managing cash flow is a real unlock to increase profits. Highbeam is a banking platform built to help brands do just this. Learn how Highbeam automatically saves brands thousands of dollars through high yield accounts, lines of credit, and cashback cards with a personalized savings estimate at highbeam.co slash limited supply. Well, Nick, uh, we're back for another episode. Bunch of stuff to talk about today. A bunch of stuff that I've wanted to talk about for a while. Actually, this whole season or most of the season, but I haven't had a chance to. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, it, it's going to be really good. Uh, there's two main topics today that I want to go through. One is the Clavio IPO. Okay. Uh, and I did a deep dive into their 10K, into their S1, actually, which is the document they have to file when they're going public, releasing all of their numbers. Right. Uh, and I want to go over that with you because I think it's really interesting. And the other is credit card rewards. The number one holder of credit card rewards in the world as a category must be in e-commerce. Like, you know, it's got everybody be. in e-commerce is obsessed with credit card rewards and rightfully so, because these people are spending tens or hundreds or millions of dollars on credit cards in any given month, while everybody else is like, look, I bought, you know, I'm spending $8,000 a month. I'm putting all my personal expenses. I'm going to save up for a trip for Europe uh, with my credit cards. Well, an e-commerce entrepreneur is like, well, I just spent $350,000 on Facebook ads this month. And so I'm not going to pay for a trip for the next, you know, three <laughs> yeah, years with my family. I remember when I was at Hint, the founder would open up her JetBlue sometimes or a JetBlue account. Yeah. And it was just funded with miles. Really? Uh, well, mainly because of credit card points. Yeah, yeah. But like the miles and the points game is in e-commerce is unmatched. Yeah. I'm surprised that it was JetBlue actually at Hint. Yeah, that was the preferred airline of choice. Oh, that surprises me. Okay, so tell me, like, what card do you guys use at Sharma Brands? Mainly American Express. Okay. And then we use Parker for Long Weekend. Okay, so let's start with Sharma Brands American Express, actually. Look, American Express has a bunch of cards from a plum to, like, uh, you know, a platinum, a gold, a rose gold. Uh, Which one are you using? Platinum. Platinum and gold. Why do you use those cards? Why do you use Parker for a long weekend? Well, Parker we use because we get the 45-day float. Sharma Brands, we use American Express because, I don't know, actually. There's there's no real reason we use it. It's uh, It consolidates at the end of the year really easily, and it looks fancy, and okay. it's easy to use. Yeah. All right. Reliable. That's fancy is a good answer. Yeah. And then... Give me a rough estimate of spend. Is Are you guys, spe- like, I'm not sure if you're running Facebook ads and running it on your card, running it on other people's card. Are your business expenses south of 50000 a month, north of 50000 a month? How much are you putting on that card? On Amex, probably uh, 50 to 70 Every month. single month. Yeah. That includes, because we, uh, we have a good amount of contractors we pay through card, as well as some international payroll that we pay through the card. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What then you use like Gusto? You can't use Gusto to do that. Who you're using? Like no, some well, yeah, like uh, sometimes uh, they'll just invoice us through QuickBooks. Okay, and, and then for Canada, we use Remote.com, which we can also just pay off in the card. 
Well, uh, MX Gold is a fantastic card to be using. MX Platinum is generally a terrible card to be using. I think of this in two different tiers. If your answer is, I want to maximize cash back, that's an easy answer because the answer is the most dollars cash back from a percentage of like spend is the best card, right? Mm-hmm. If you're like, I'm trying to maximize points, but I live in uh, Atlanta and I only want to fly Delta and I really care about Amex lounges because sometimes I fly into Dallas and I want to be able to go to the Amex lounge. Now it's a little bit of a tougher conversation because like, you know, you might be like, I only want to fly one airline. That airline is a hub where I live. I really want to get an upgrade. And the only way to get upgrades is to get status. If you're trying to maximize hotels or airlines, um, it's a little bit different. If you're trying to maximize cash back, there's only one answer. And that answer is a Bank of America card that offers you 2.62% cash back on all spend. Doesn't matter what category it is. It doesn't matter if you're spending it on Facebook ads, remote.com. It doesn't matter if you're spending it on, you know, Turo or airline flights. You get 2.62% cash back with this Bank of America card. Wow. And no limit? And no limit. There's only one hiccup to this card, which is you need to keep at least $100,000 in a Bank of America account at any given time. Hmm. That's the only limit. It's the bank. I think it's called like the Bank of America Unlimited Cash Rewards Card. But if you keep $100,000 in your bank account, you get like, so you uh, you only get like 2% or something like that, or 1.75 or something like that. But you get a bonus if you've got $100,000 sitting in a Bank of America. Got it. And then they start giving you 2.62% cash back. Wow. And that's an unlimited amount of cash back. That's unlimited amount. Is that what you use? That's what uh, I use in some of my businesses, but not all of them. Got it. And um, so, yeah, you get 2.62% cash back. And like, really, they say you need to keep $100,000 in my in your account in order to get this 75% bonus, right? Like, in mm-hmm. order to get the 2.62. The reality is, once you get 100000 in your account and start getting the bonus, if you dip below the 100000 they really won't take it away very quickly. The 2.62. Exactly. Got so it. you could have $100,000 and say, look, I have it. And they say, okay, they tag you, basically. And they're like, okay, Nick has 100000 in his account. Start giving him 262 and then if your balance drops from 100 to 50 for three months, they're not going to take it away that quickly. Interesting. Like you can still, you'll still be getting the 2.62 at that time. Yeah. So I, that's my and favorite. that just part. deposits right into your account or it's used to pay off the card? You can use it for anything you want. Oh, wow. You can, use it, you can deposit it into your bank account or you can use it to pay off other expenses from your card. Interesting. And that's a great question and moves me on to like the second point that I wanted to talk about with respect to uh, credit card rewards which is, let's say you're earning cash back. There's a lot of like questions as to whether or not that cash back is uh, tax-free or not tax-free. Mm-hmm. And the answer is supposed to be, let's say you're buying a Facebook ad and you're getting 2% cash back, right? So you spend $100, your actual expense is $98. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is you're supposed to expense the $98 and not the $100, and that 2% cash back is tax-free. Most people are expensing the $100 that they spent on Facebook, not that $98, mm-hmm. and they're keeping that 2% tax-free, and they don't pay taxes on it. Got it. But uh, So basically, they're getting the cash back tax-free. Got it. And whether that's legal or not, you know, I've got no opinion. And uh, <laughs> Is that <know>, legal? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, I'll tell you, Bank of America doesn't issue you a W-2. They're not, they're not right. like, hey, Nick, we gave you $100,000 in cash back last year. Here it is. You've got to report it to the U.S. government and you've got to pay taxes on it. They don't do that. So you can get all the cash back technically tax-free. Huh. 
And whether, yeah, I think you're supposed to report it or whether you're not supposed to report it, I'd be surprised. Like, you know, before uh, the Wayfair decision, let's say you bought something from, uh, you know, Hint mm-hmm. and it was delivered to my home in Florida. I was technically supposed to pay sales tax. I was supposed to go to the state of Florida and say, hey, I bought something online. You didn't collect sales tax. Here's the sales tax that I was supposed to pay for this purchase of a case of Hint. Nobody did that, right? You never bought anything online and then went to the state government at the end of the year and said, yeah. hey, I didn't pay this sales tax. Here it is. You're just like, fuck it. That's now like, you know, I'm not going to pay that. Right. Generally, I think that's what's happening with cash rewards. Uh, nobody's paying, you know, income taxes on cash rewards. Right. So the 2.62% cash back that you're getting is kind of like 4% cash back if you're in a high tax mm, bracket. I see. Because you get it tax free. Right. Like, let's say I gave, let's say you earned you know, I paid you $100,000 to do a bunch of work. You'd have to pay taxes on it. You'd end up with $50,000. This 2.62%, you're getting tax-free. So like pre-tax, it's almost like getting 4% cash back. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that's why it's an amazing card. It's 2.62% cash back. The other thing you asked is like, what what can you do with that? Can you just pay off business expenses or can you get cash out? What you don't want to do is pay off business expenses. You want to take the cash out because if you pay off business expenses you might not realize that those are expenses then. Mm-hmm. You might say, okay, I didn't, let's say you get $10,000 in cash back every month. You might say, I take this $10,000 and I paid it, I paid off Facebook ads with it. So the, I, oh, like, you know, I didn't spend, I, let's say my Facebook ad budget is $25,000 a month. I spent 10,000 in cash back to pay that off. Now it's, I only had 15,000 expenses. So you're not going to write off from your, you're not going to count as an expense 25000 You might only count 15000 mm-hmm. So instead, take that cash out and still expense that 25000 from a tax perspective. Got it. Because it's tax-free. Put it aside. Because it's tax. It's tax-free. And like you want to, you want all of your expenses counted against your income. Right. Chamber Brands earned $100,000 yeah, this month. You don't want to be like, oh, you know what? I got 50000 in cash back. So actually, I applied it to all these expenses and now I made 150000 Right. Government's going to say- Wonderful. Thank you. Give us the uh, cut of that 50000 Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you take the cash out and just put it in your personal account or whatever you want to do with it, it sits there tax-free and it's your money. Right. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, that's uh, great. And what are what are the other things people should do with their money or like other little finance tricks to maximize savings or, you know, maximizing every point? For this card in particular, it's great because it gives you the most cash back out of any card in the world. Capital One has a 2% cash back. I think Amex, like a bunch of cards have a 1.5% cash back. Very few go north of 2%. This is the only card going north of 2.5% that I'm aware of. And all it takes is $100,000 in a bank account for a short period of time for you to get tagged. So you get the platinum rewards and you get that cash back. Uh, So I guess the thing that you should be doing is putting every single expense on that card. Hmm. Like, don't be silly and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to pay for something via cash or wire transfer. Right when you can expense it. It can get really complicated. Like it's a pretty deep rabbit hole you can go down. And so like one of the things you might do is you might say, I have to pay for boxes. Right. The boxes cost me $10,000. I can wire the guy and it costs me $10,000 to wire the guy. Mm-hmm. Or what I can do is I can pay via credit card, but he charges me a 3% fee. Now there's a lot of math to do because you could say, okay, so now I have to pay him 10300 because I got to pay that 3% fee. Well, if I pay via wire, it's ten thousand. If I pay via credit card, it's ten thousand three hundred. But I pay via credit card, and I get two point six two percent cash back, mm-hmm. right? So I paid ten thousand three hundred dollars, and I got two point six two percent cash back, which is two hundred and seventy dollars. Let's say, okay, mm-hmm. like I got two hundred and seventy dollars back. 
well, I paid a 300 fee and I only got $270 cash back. So that's actually not good, right? I lost that $30. Right. But the the difference is here, that $270 comes back to you tax-free. Right. And you get an additional $300 tax deduction because you paid an additional $300 fee. Right. So you get this $270 tax-free and you paid a, you get an extra $300 deduction over here. Right. So that $300 deduction, depending on your tax bracket, might bring, might you know, it might be like, well, now I, I would have paid, uh, you know, 40%, 50% sale, uh, income tax on that because you live in New York or California or something like that. So that $300 is actually $150 in income. And I got $270 here tax-free. Right. And so it can get very complicated, so much so that you might start saying, I'm going to start paying a 3% fee with my credit card because economically it works out better for me because based on the tax bracket I'm in and based on the state that I live in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's bananas that it could uh, be that way, but it is that way. Uh, going back to that Amex Gold, which yeah. you were talking about, so I'm going to move off of cash back and move to credit card points. Amex Gold, like if you look at e-commerce fuel, everyone loves Amex Gold because yeah. you can get four points for every dollar you spend on Facebook ads up to $150,000 a year. Right. So let's say you spend $150,000 a year on Facebook ads, you get 600,000 points. Uh, you know, 600,000 points is a lot. That's a lot of points for $150,000 in spend. But once you get to 150000 they say you only get one point. You don't mm-hmm. get to four any longer. So a lot of people will have two, three, or four Amex goals. One in my name, one in your name, one in your wife's name, one right. in your mother's name, one in your sister's name. Everyone's got an Amex gold. You're sort of like, after. let's say you're spending $600,000 a year in Facebook ads. You get one in your name, one in your sister's name, one in your dad's name, one in your mom's name. After you spend $150,000, you stop using yours and you could use your mom's. Mm-hmm. After the next $150,000, you stop using it, you use something else. Yeah, I've else's. done this before. You've done that? With yeah. who? With which car? Uh, with the gold. Really? Yeah. Okay, so you're maximizing points on the gold. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. But what's the value of those points? It really depends. Like, if you're very bad, it's one penny. So you, you're sort of getting 4% back anyway. Okay. Because it's one penny. Right. If you're really good at it, one penny is wor- the worst because Amex will pay you a penny to, for a point. Right. But there are instances where you're like, you know what? I transferred these Amex points to Delta. And then on Delta, I flew first class for 60,000 points. That f- flight was going to cost me $8,000. Now my points are worth 10 cents each. Right. So it really is hard to like, uh, you know, that's why I like cash back because it's simple. Whoever pays you the most cash back wins. Right. With credit cards, it's a little bit, with credit card points, it's a little bit different because you're like, okay, well, Chase transfers to this guy and I fly to London every week. So I want to be able to fly first class to London every week. And so maybe I want to be able to buy British Airways. Oh, I'm based in Minneapolis. So it has to be Delta. You know, there's a lot of like nuances when it comes to like credit cards. If you're trying to maximize hotel or airlines, cash back 2.62 wins. If you're spending under $150,000 a year, Amex Gold wins. If you're spending under $300,000 a year, Amex Gold wins because you can just get two cards. If you're spending like $5 million a year, Amex Gold doesn't win anymore because it's, you can't get 40 Amex Gold. It's too, it's too painful. Um, and so in any case, uh, that I really want to talk about the two extremes. If you're under $300,000 in ad spend a year, get Amex Gold. Yep. If you're you know north of $5 million in ad spend a year, probably get the cash back because it's worth so much money. But if, you know, there's a lot of like nuances in the middle, which I'll probably take too much time to go over here. But under $300,000, Amex Gold. If you're trying to maximize cash back, Bank of America 2.62. Highbeam also has a card that does 2% with no limit. Yeah. 
But yeah, that Bank of America. Yeah, two point six is just better. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that like you got to pay it off often. Like got you know, it. It's not like they're going to be like, hey, your credit limit is two million dollars. Right. Be like your credit limit is seventy five thousand dollars. Right. Every morning you're going to have to log in and pay off your Bank of America card. Yeah. Okay. Damn. Let's switch uh, out of credit cards and into Clavio. Clavio IPO'd, and it IPO'd the same week at Instacart IPO'd. Yeah. And Which Instacart's not doing so hot. Amazingly, both of them were founded the exact same year, 2012. Oh, Did really? You know yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. So we're going to go through some comparisons. Okay. But before we start, let me talk to you about Clavio revenue. 2021, 290 million. 2022, 472 million. Big increase. 585 million in the last 12 months, ending June 30th. I mm-hmm. think they're on pace. This is a guess because uh, they didn't project, but this I think they're on pace to do about 700 million in revenue this year. Okay. Incredible gross margins, as you can imagine, because it's a software business. Uh, you know, 205 million gross profit in 2021 on 290 million in revenue, 344 in 2022 on 472 million in revenue, 440 on 585. So far uh, this year, 75% gross margins. And I think this is the first year they've turned a profit. I think this is the first quarter they've turned a profit so far. This year, I'm not sure if they're expecting a profit, uh, but it'll be close, certainly. Okay, so a few things to mention. They have a net revenue retention of 120%. Are you familiar with the term net revenue retention? No, can you explain that? Yeah, it basically means like, let's say you started, let's say 100 businesses started with Clavio in January 2020. Of those 100 businesses, three are no longer in business and churned. Okay. But 97 are still in business. Are they still paying Clavio the same amount that they paid in January? Or have they grown such that actually your revenue every month grows based on your old cohort? Because mm-hmm. like, you know, when Native started in 2015, we were probably playing Clavio $80 a month. Right. By the time I left in 2020, we were probably paying 15000 a month, you know? Right. 20,000 a month, some insane number to Clavio. Yeah. So they're like, look at this, that like what, like one customer actually grew a lot and it made up for all the people that they lost and anybody who shrunk. So they're saying that on average, their net revenue retention is 120%. People will grow every year, not wow. shrink. And like their cohorts get bigger, not smaller. Right. The uh, so 120% is one cohort. Yeah. They'll say, let's say June 2022. Correct. That cohort will grow 120%. Is it over the course of a year? Yeah, a year later. Okay. So like, let's say, I I think this is how they define it. I'm not entirely sure, but I think this is how they define it. Let's say that cohort spent $100 in June 2022. This year, those same businesses will spend $120. Yeah, interesting. I remember doing math and seeing that I think only one, around 1% of their customers pay them more than 50000 a year. So that 120% math makes sense because it's not that much greater a year later, but I'd imagine that 1% client that's in there is the one that's really ballooning that cohort. Yeah, probably. They, they say they have 1,458 customers generating over 50,000 a year. Yeah. Which is- You were one of lot. them. Yeah, I was definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, no question. Uh, for a comparison on net revenue retention, Snowflake is 158%. Twilio is 155%. PagerDuty is 140%. AppDynamics is 123%. So pretty like hmm. close to everybody else. A little bit smaller, frankly. Twilio is a little bit higher. Snowflake's a little bit higher. PagerDuty, like, all a little bit higher, but like in that same ballpark. Yeah. I um, wonder if that would change if they were off Shopify merchants as well. Yeah. Okay. Great question. What percentage of their revenue do you think is derived from Shopify merchants? 
If I had to guess, I would say probably 90. Yeah. Uh, 77 and a half percent. Wow. Uh, so 22 and a half percent derived from WooCommerce, BigCommerce, anybody else. And only 10% of their Shopify revenue comes from the Shopify app ecosystem. The other 67.5% of their revenue that comes from Shopify goes directly to Klaviyo, not through the Shopify app. Oh, interesting. They also have a contract with Shopify that ends in 2029. Uh, so right now there's a little bit of a rev share. I don't, you know, their details are very unclear, but there is a little bit of a rev share with Shopify and Klaviyo. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an investor in a company where one of their current challenges is that they they owe Shopify a bounty every time somebody signs up. So right now they pl- they pay the standard rate, which is 15% of top line revenue of their top line revenue to Shopify at basically as a fee. Whereas a company like, you know, another Shopify app that we're both in, they only pay a $20 bounty per install versus a percentage of top line revenue. You're an investor in the company that pays a percentage of top line revenue? Yeah, they ju- they're just at the whatever the standard rate okay, is. The they haven't gotten oh, their the other guy's at a rate. bounty. Okay. The other guy pays a $20 bounty. Plus $15 or no? Or just, just, just a $20, $20 bounty. See, this is the one part like that makes me not love Shopify, which yeah. is, you know, Clavio is paying there's a rev share deal between you and Clavio that ends in 2029. I know it for a fact because somebody said it on a, a document where if they lied, they're going to go to jail. Yeah. So I'm not, and there, nobody lied on this document. Right. You're telling me that when Shopify is showing you the difference between Clavio and Sendlane, they don't care? When they yeah. show you the difference between Gorgeous and But Hope I think Scout, Sendlane also has that agreement. Like, I think all the apps have, but what they don't call out is the difference in the fee that they get. From one company versus another. These guys also have a unique contract with Shopify. Does it say what their fees are? I didn't understand their fees. I didn't get to that at least. But they have a contract with Shopify that ends in 2029. Interesting. And like part of that contract also included Shopify investing $100 million into the business. You know, Shopify has a vested stake in Klaviyo succeeding in the ecosystem. Sean from Ridge called the Klaviyo stock just a proxy to buying Shopify stock. That may be true, but I think it won't be true three years from now. And we'll get into Mm, why. Okay. Nick, I love the High Beam credit card. It offers 1.5% cash back, which is pretty good. But more importantly than that, it's got limits up to a million dollars and it gives you up to 45-day payment terms. It's so important, especially going to Q4 when everyone's thinking about maximizing inventory. They've got to worry about paying for Facebook ads for the next month when CPMs are going to go up. And they certainly don't want on Black Friday for their Amex credit card to hit its limits so that they can't spend any more money. Yeah, the absolute worst thing I remember from two years ago, three years ago, was trying to juggle credit cards on Black Friday because you hit your limits on the other cards. And uh, luckily with Highbeam, you've got 45-day payment terms, million-dollar limits, and you get cash back on every dollar you spend. So go to highbeam.co slash limited supply to learn more. So we talked about gross profit. We talked about revenue. We talked about gross profit. Let me talk about expenses really quickly. So here's the $213 million in marketing expense in 2022. That includes $26 million to Shopify in terms of warrants to buy their stock. Hmm. $104 million in R&D, $81 million in G&A, general and administrative expenses. I was surprised. I didn't realize that SaaS businesses had R&D budgets. 
Um, yeah, well, I thought they just would be under general and administrative, but they're like, no, this is a separate R and D budget. I think to like develop new products like Clavio reviews and yeah, there's something called Clavio for wellness. I'm not sure if you've seen that yet. No, what is that? So this is why I don't think that uh, buying Clavio is a uh, proxy for buying Shopify. Clavio is like the future of our business will be us will be expanding into other categories outside of e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And the first foray into that, I think, is Clavio for wellness. So it's for like uh, fitness studios. You went to Rumble today. Interesting. You didn't go. You didn't go uh, last week. So you they want to be able to email you saying, "Hey, you came in today." You know, think about the triggers that are in Clavio. Purchased, right. to, you know, purchased within the last 180 days, but not in the last 20 days. Went to a class in the last 180 days, but not in the last 30 days. Hey, Nick, you fat fuck, get into Rumble. We, you know, uh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Hey, Moise, you lazy asshole, get the fuck out into Berries yeah. and work out for once. So they're trying to create those triggers for uh, fitness studios and wellness studios and beauties. and uh, like, That know. makes sense. I'd imagine they go there, then they go to restaurants, then they go That's to right. law firms. Then yeah. yeah, I could totally see that and happening. And so, so then it's like, you know, five years from now, Let's say that I, I think it won't be buying Shopify, just buying Shopify. I think it'll be yeah. buying a more unique uh, business. Interesting. I wonder too if the if the R and D portion is because there are like aren't there tax write offs for research and development? So it could be a wow. huge way to just funnel oh, money into a tax. Yeah, exactly. Wow, I didn't think of that. Okay, that's really smart. Good, good point. I'm not sure if that's the reason why, but that could be it. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing they talk about is CAC payback period. How much do they have to spend in market? Like how long does it take for us to earn back the marketing spe- expenses it took to get you as a customer? Mm-hmm. Any guess on how long their CAC payback is? Is it based on months? Yeah. Six months? 14 months. Wow. That long? Which is a little surprising to me. Does it share know. their LTV? It didn't share their LTV. Oh, interesting. I think a really hard part for me is not understanding like what their CAC looks like. Yeah. Like, is it primarily marketing expenses or are they doing commission affiliate revenue all over the place with like agencies? I mean, they definitely do that. They yeah. definitely do like general sponsorships. They definitely do ads. I, I would imagine too, like the events they put on are all yeah. under that that budget. That's a good point. I really wish that if you logged in, you would say that, hey, we're paying a commission to somebody else on your account. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, one of the things that when Native switched to, uh, from WooCommerce to Shopify, uh, I think our agency took a portion. It may still be getting a For portion sure. yeah. of the revenue that we're generating from that subscription. Yeah. Stuff. Shopify just pays them on the back end. And that is so fucked up because yeah. not, not just, no, I'm sorry, not for Shopify, but for subscriptions. Like we switched to recharge and yeah. I think recharge is paying that agency. Mm. It was called, it was a terrible experience working with them. I think recharge is paying that agency for us doing something we were going to do already, which was move to recharge. But like nobody, you know, it was unclear every, nobody was like, Hey boys, you know, we're getting a kickback from recharge. Yeah. Yeah. Hey boys, we're going to get it like that. We, they, we were already on Clavia with WooCommerce as well. So I don't think uh, they got a kick, but like, I wish it was more clear. I want to be able to log into a Clavio account and say, we are paying an affiliate commission to, you know, Moise Ali's uh, agency, uh, just so you know that they're right. paying something in this. Yeah. Like those affiliates in this, like the affiliate relationships in this part of the world are really a black box to me. Fully agreed. So anyway, uh, a lot a lot of this is agency fees. I'm sure they're marketing costs. Yeah. I, how much it is, I don't know. They didn't really break it down, but uh, $213 million in marketing costs. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah. Not nothing. Okay. Here's a couple other things that I thought were interesting. Actually, uh, let's skip these other... Th- uh, well, uh, let me tell you these other things and then get to the most interesting part of this. Okay. 
Okay, so they've uh, they said as of June 30th, 2023, we've assembled 7 billion consumer profiles across our customer base in the last 12 months. We processed over 700 billion events, such as opening an email, browsing a website, or placing an order. 700 billion. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Okay, how much capital do you think Clavio has raised in the life of its business? I feel like it's a lot. 100 million? No, it's more than that. 200? $454 million. Because wow. think about 100, like Shopify invested $100 million. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so they raised $454 million, which is actually nothing. And they still have most of it on their balance sheet. Wow. Uh, they have no debt. Uh, they've never raised a dollar in debt. Huh. Uh, so it's there's a lot of money in this business. Amazingly, Shopify bought $3 million of, in shares at $33.87 a share which is more than what Clavio trades at today. Right. So they actually overpaid for Clavio stock a year ago. But in any case, okay, let's get to the ownership. So uh, the reason I think this is the most interesting part is because I tweeted this when Clavio uh, IPO'd. I was like, this is a huge win for the e-commerce industry. Clavio is an institution. It's been around, you know, it feels like the backbone, one of the backbones of e-commerce alongside Shopify. Yeah. It developed segmentation in a way that MailChimp and nobody else had back in 2012, 2013, 2014. Maybe it's commoditized now. I haven't used Sendlane ever, so I'm not sure. Yeah. I haven't used MailChimp in a really long time. But when Clavio was doing what it was doing in 2015 and I was running native, it was the only person doing anything that special. Did these docs mention how much they pay Twilio for SendGrid? Uh, they didn't mention that. And I'm not sure they're using Twilio. Oh, really? I'm not positive. I think they use SendGrid. Okay, gotcha. uh, Which was taken private by Twilio. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I didn't know. It could be possible. I know. I'm almost certain PostScript uses Twilio. Yeah. I don't know if Clavio does. Got it. But here's the interesting part. The ownership structure of the business. Shopify owns 12%. Summit Partners, which is like a big, uh, you know, VC private equity fund based out of Boston, owns 21%. Wow. The CEO, AB, guess how much he owns? I can't tell if it's it's either really good or really bad. Yeah. It's, it's either really like two percent. Okay. What? Forty percent? Yeah. Damn. You know, good his stake for is him. more than three billion dollars. Yeah. Cause he ran this business super capital efficient, was really smart about raising money, uh, maintains wow. control of the business. I feel like the average for an IPO is like what, ten percent? Yeah. Maybe less. Yeah. In fact, that's what's so special about this. And I tweeted that when we uh, when IPO, I was like, Clavio is a win for the e-commerce industry. Shows that businesses are still backable in e-commerce. Yeah. Even though this is SaaS, I granted this is SaaS. Shows that like you can still have huge ownership stakes and shows that everyone can make a fortune. Not like, you know, millions of dollars, but billions of dollars in yeah. this business. And I thought that was really, really amazing. That uh, is So awesome. I, I think that's awesome for a, like, you know, the guy is a genius, worked really hard. I met him a few times. He's fantastic. I'm really like, Happy for him and proud of Clavio and love what's happened in the e-commerce industry as a result Same. of IPOing. Okay, I have a few more uh, fun facts. About yeah, it, awesome. and then we'll uh, move on. Uh, one is um, so you know Clavio now offers SMS. Mm-hmm. What percentage of Clavio customers do you think use SMS? And then I'll stop quizzing you. Fifteen, ten, fifteen percent of customers use SMS. Wow, is that a lot or not a lot? Well, one thing I'm not clear on is how many of Clavio's customers. Well, like what percentage of Clavio customers are, you know, a Shopify store that does over maybe half a million a year in revenue? Yeah. 
which would then, which could then say like either it's really big or it's really small. But I feel like they were very late to SMS. Like they just launched SMS recently. Fifteen percent seems small. I, I guess yeah. You're you're saying hey, look, a lot of people have moved on. To, a lot of people are working with PostScript, which you and I are investors in. Yeah. A lot of people are working with. I don't know if Yapo offers it or not. I don't know. We're attentive or somebody. Yeah. A lot of people are just working with somebody else, so they're just too late to the game. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. I wonder how many, I wonder what percentage of e-commerce stores just don't use SMS yet. I think a good amount. Yeah. I think a lot. lot. Yeah. And I think it's way underutilized. It's too strong of a platform. Once you start using it, you're like, oh my God, this is what email was 10 years ago. Yeah. Massive open rate, like, you know, not uh, virtually a hundred percent open rates. 10%, 15% 10%, 15% click-through rates. Yep. Like insane amounts of revenue can be derived from SMSs. You can't abuse it as much as you can email, obviously, or right. like you can't use it. Maybe I shouldn't say abuse. You can't <laughs> use it as much as you can uh, emails, but it's incredibly powerful and not enough people are using SMS. Yeah. Uh, and that really surprises me. I thought it was 15% was small. And I want, uh, yeah, I wonder if it's just a lot of people are using something else or a lot of people are not using SMS at all. I think it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. It is also interesting their product expansions, like SMS being one. Uh, reviews is, I think, another one that yeah. they launched. Yep. Sendlane also has reviews. Yeah. Uh, it feels like actually there's like these, um, the e-commerce companies are basically just building out sideways. Like I think Yotpo has subscriptions now. Yeah. And I, I'm sure Recharge will come out with like two or three kind of sideways products. Yeah. Clavio's doing reviews. Yeah. Like they're just trying to basically get the more of the of the single client they yeah. have. In fact, uh, for Clavio, it's explicit in their document, in their legal, do- in their S1. They say it's land and expand. Yeah. Get you with email, expand to anything else we can get you for right. um, so that we can move forward. Yeah. I, uh, like, I was looking at Sendlane when I was trying to do research for this. And I was like, it is so hard to understand Sendlane's like pricing model. They're like, how many e- emails do you send a month? Like, first, it seems like they're not going after new businesses. Like, I looked at pricing and they're like, how many emails do you select? Oh, yeah, it starts like, well, at 50,000. Yeah. What if I'm a brand new business? Like, right. where, am I, where are we at? And like, the other thing is, it's not very easy to know how many businesses, how many emails you're sending out, even inside Clavio. What I re- like about Clavio is that it's all like month to month contracts. Yeah. I'm just, look, I've never used Sendlane and nothing, I have nothing. Uh, I like, I don't know anything about once you start using them, how it is. And Ron from Obvi loves it. Right. And so I could be completely wrong, but I would say that like, you're asking me how many emails I send and then I'm going to sign up to an annual plan. Like, you know how long an annual plan is going to be for a business? Like in, in new e-commerce businesses are growing 10 X uh, a month over month. If you're like right. three or four months old. So the number of emails I signed up for three months ago could be drastically different than what I need today. So I don't love that. I think you can actually do monthly. The UX is just bad on this site. Yeah, yeah. You just have to scroll down and then yeah. there's monthly. Uh, yeah, I just wasn't a big fit. I wish the pricing was a little bit more clear, I guess. Yeah. One interesting thing about Sendlane is they don't use SendGrid or anybody to send their emails. They, they like built their built, own They built their own infrastructure. Wow. Which I thought was huge. Yeah. And I, I haven't done the pricing comparison, but a lot of people have said Sendlane is much cheaper because they don't have to pay SendGrid or yeah, Twilio yeah. to send their emails. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. I wish you could just say this is the pricing I pay on Clavio and Sendlane right. would be like, We're gonna give you a Here's 30% our best price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what it is, it's thirty percent. So yeah. Get used to it. Yeah. Uh, like that would make it super easy for me. That would be sick. Okay, so anyway, I want to talk about a little bit about Clavio and Instacart. 
And then I want to talk a little bit about what Clavio means for the e-commerce industry. Okay. So Instacart, I you know started the same year, 2012, 11 years later, IPO'd within the same week that Clavio IPO'd. It's a valuation, its stock is down a little bit. It's trading at $27 a share, $7.5 billion valuation. Clavio trades at an $8.5 billion valuation. So uh, this is what I was really interested in because I was like, what wins here? A marketplace that requires a lot of people or SaaS for emails for e-commerce? Yeah. And I was like, okay, how do I judge what wins here? Is it just valuation? And I was like, no, uh, valuation is too easy. I was like, let me think about ownership percentage of the founder and CEO. Because mm. that is going to tell me how capital efficient this business was. Right. And so I mentioned that the Clavio CEO owns 39% of his business. The Instacart founder, he just stepped down as CEO, owns 10% of his business. Mm. Don't get me wrong, you know, super wealthy, super yeah. successful. We're talking about virtually a billionaire, probably a billionaire with the right. secondary that he's raised, but uh, far less capital efficient than Clavio. Right. Uh, which you'd imagine you'd have to be because you've got to hire a bunch of people to like, you know, deliver stuff all over the place. Yeah, and tons of advertising, yeah. probably. Yeah, and tons of advertising, yeah. What do you think the Clavio, like, you know, you and I have invested in a few Shopify SaaS businesses. We invest in Postscript, mm-hmm. Okendo. Did you invest in Gorgeous? No. Okay. Um, you've invested a lot more than I have, I think. Yeah. Um, what do you think the valuation means? Like $8.5 billion valuation. That is a massive valuation. Huge. But also $700 million in revenue this year. Yeah. You know, I can't think of another Shopify app business that does $700 million other than Shopify itself, you know, yeah. which has far more. That's only a 10, a little bit more than a 10, 12x uh, multiple on revenue. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I don't know, honestly. I don't know what to think with valuations. Generally, the way I think of valuations, because the companies I'm investing to are much smaller, is just like, is this is this number good enough where they can hit a revenue target that justifies a higher valuation at the next raise. Like we invested in a company that was valued at a hundred million doing, let's say uh, 5 million in revenue. If they can't get to maybe 20 million in revenue, their next fundraise is going to be a down round or it might just stay flat, which is not good because everybody gets diluted much heavier and so that's usually what I look at when I see valuation. Like we almost invested in a company together that was valued at, uh, what was it, like 100 times revenue. And both of us were like, well, they'll, they'll never be able to raise again because, you know, no one's going to be that stupid the second time. I think that's the way I think about it as well, which is, yeah. are you going to be able to take this money and build a business where you can raise around the next 18 months, two years, three years down the line, that'll be higher than this round and your business will show a bunch of traction to prove that. And, and I think it's easier in early stage because you're really going off attraction. Yeah. But at this stage with Clavio, eight and a half billion dollars, which in theory means like if somebody were to take it private, they'd pay at least that. But like, does this mean that over the next X amount of years, it'll fulfill its eight and a half billion dollar valuation? Well, I think that's the bet you make when you buy the stock. They yeah. will do that. But I think that like, um, you're right. Like late stage valuations are easy because there's so many people to compare it to and the market is so efficient. There's so right. many really bright uh, people who have done genuine analysis, not like me reading the 10K, but like spreadsheets forecasting, who else is going to sign up? Uh, you know, what's your churn going to look like? And there's, you know, it's just smart money, hundreds of mil- billions of dollars chasing right. this. 
So someone did the math and they're like, should we invest in Instacart or Clavio? Oh, the Clavio business looks a little bit better right now. I'm mm-hmm. sure someone has done that math. And like that person went to, has a PhD from MIT probably. Right. I think you're right that in the earlier stages, it's much harder. But I think that valuation, like, you know, a lot of people raised in 2021 when you could raise 75X your uh, ARR. Yeah. This business, which is probably after Shopify, the best business in e-commerce is at a 10X, 12X ARR. Right. You know, where like that business that you were talking about, I think they were like, you know, yeah, they did a million dollars in ARR and were uh, trying to get 80 million or like, you know, uh, had an $80 million valuation to grow into that. They have to grow their top line 8X sort of to get into the same multiple as Clavio. They may be able to raise another round. I just don't know what happens because you're going to get so, so diluted. Like, let's say that business goes from 1 million to 700 million in revenue. Right. 700X its top line. Bottom, like if that, its valuation goes up 10x. Right. If the top line 700x is, the valuation could go up 10x, maybe 12x. Right. And you'll be diluted along the way of fortune, you know? Yep. And that's what gets me worried at early stage high valuations. Yeah. And I still see that. Like there was another business on Saturday. I was talking to a guy that we both know, and he was thinking about investing in this business. And he's like, it's got a 25, 30x ARR. And I was just like, what's like, how does this business make sense a year and a half from now? Yeah. And that does have me a little bit like, I think Clavia is an amazing business because I think it generates a fortune in uh, revenue. It definitely does. I think it has a strong moat, which is like the switching costs. Once you're on Clavio, you know how hard it is to switch your campaigns, audiences, yeah. your flows. You know how hard it is to switch a flow? It's fucking like so painful. Yeah. And so um, I don't know any other Shopify app businesses that are as strong as Clavio. And these guys traded 10 to 12x. And like, you know, Sendlane seems to be coming from them. People seem to love Sendlane. I'm not sure how other smaller businesses can, uh, how how they're going to be able to grow into it. And, you know, they've got plenty of time. They're small businesses. Like, and, you know, if you're doing 100,000 ARR, I don't expect you to raise it a million dollar valuation. I expect you to raise it a five or six. I just don't expect that at... $2 $2 million in ARR, you're like, great, I want a $200 million valuation. Yeah. I think the other thing too is a lot of the early stage investing, a lot of the stuff we look at or get sent, Yeah, a lot of it only makes sense if you're a billion dollar fund and yeah. you're looking for one winner. Yes. But if it's you and I, and we're taking money from our savings account and transferring it into uh, basically a bet on a business- then that eliminates 98% of those companies from being realistic to invest in. That's right. This only works if, you know, you invest in company X and it, you know, out of the 25 that you threw, you know, 500K into, this one went and IPO'd and that returns your fund many yes. times over. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. Okay, that that's all I got. I guess I, I'll, I'll let me wrap up with one more comment about yeah. Kavya, which is AB now uh, uh, has a... Um, he owns the majority of the business. Like he, he can control the business because he's got super uh, super majority voting shares or super uh, voting shares. Like every vote he casts is 10 votes of anybody else. Wow. Which is pretty common. Like Zuck has that. You know, that's not, it's not that uncommon in tech businesses any longer. My prediction is that once he steps down, whenever that is, this business will go private to go to a private equity firm in two seconds. Really? Vista Equity Partners is going to come in and triple prices at Clavio, quadruple prices at Clavio. And you think just because they'll they'll have the hold on the customers, they won't leave anyways. That's right. If you're a, a fifteen, if you're spending twenty thousand uh, dollars a year on Clavio, you're probably doing tens of millions of dollars in revenue. 
And after Shopify, this is the most important software you use. Yeah. I think that they you could go to 40K almost right away. You could go in and be like, we're doubling prices here. Yeah, interesting. Uh, because there's just too much value here. That's really interesting. I guess that makes sense. Somebody should start an agency to migrate you yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I honestly think that a private equity firm will do it as soon as... Uh, they might be able to do it today. Honestly, they might be able to do it today and say, hey, look... I'm willing to uh, buy Clavio for twelve billion dollars, and then start doubling and tripling prices. I think that's a reason. And then go thing IPO again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's exactly what you do. Yeah. Uh, like ShipStation was owned by Stamps.com. Yeah. This private equity firm bought them. I don't know if you've used ShipStation anytime recently. Mm-mm. We used to use them in Native. They, they used to be like you know ten dollars a seat. Anybody like you know ten dollars a seat. Now it's like. Uh, $10 a seat, eight cents a package, and three cents every time you have an API call. Wow. And you're like, an API call? You're charging, it's not like three cents, but it's like, it is, uh, you know, percent. it is now every package you ship, you have to pay them more money. Wow. Every API call, you get like, you know, they'll try and tier your money at the enterprise plan. It's not $10 a seat anymore. And like Clavio isn't that way. It is tiered. Like the more emails, the more SMSs you send, the more uh, the more expensive it is. But it's not so expensive that a business that's doing twenty that's spending twenty thousand dollars a year probably wouldn't spend thirty thousand dollars a year or forty thousand dollars a year because they're so bought in. You know, yeah, they're totally. so deep in the ecosystem. All right. of their people have been trained on this. You can see the revenue being made. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. it's like retention revenue, right? So it's right. like, uh, okay, great. Uh, you know, at Native, at least it was like, okay, we're sending out an email, new sense. All of the uh, customers that come and buy again, we don't have to pay a Facebook acquisition yeah. cost anymore. We've already acquired these customers at super profitable revenue. And so I think that, I, I think a private equity firm could do this right away, actually. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think you could offer $12 billion and probably make money. Um, but I think that'll probably happen once AB steps down, because somebody will be like, there's too much money here. Yeah. Assuming Clavio is what it is, and he steps down. Do you think it's- they'll just triple prices on their own? No founder wants to do that because they're yeah. like, this is like, you know, even a native people were like, why? Like now the prices are higher than when I was there. And yeah. I was like, look, this doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. And when you're the founder of a business, you can control pricing by being like, no. I yeah, exactly. That. That's true. And when you're the C, when you're a publicly hired, like when you're the CEO that's a hired gun, you can't do that. Somebody's going to show you a spreadsheet and be like, look, bitch, we're going to make more fucking money. Your yeah. board is going to say- Also, you work for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, we're, I'm going to make more money if you raise prices. If you don't want to raise prices, get the fuck out of here and I'll hire somebody else. Yeah. But when you're the founder, you just have so much credibility. Yeah. And you're just like, no. And people are like, why not? And you're like, I don't feel like it. Yeah. And that's the, that's, <laughs> that's it. the end of it. Don't ever talk to me again. If right. you have anything else to say, I'll fucking throw you out of this building. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's the difference between like a founder and like a hired gun. And I yeah. think that's what, w- I, I don't think that'll happen right now. Yeah. Good point. Um, okay. Anyway, that's all I had for this episode. The next episode, what are we chatting about? Uh, we're going to be talking about basically all of the things to think about when you're launching a brand. And some underrated tech in the tech stack that people don't really talk about, but makes a huge difference. Okay, super excited. All right, see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one.